The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I am joined by my very good friend, Sean Newsom and Alex Harden. You probably know them better as PSU fans too and Fear My Turtle. They are two of the uh, biggest grinders in the DFS space. They have been playing professionally or semi-professionally for around a decade now. I really admire what they're able to do in the niche sports, so non-NFL, non-MLB, non-NBA. They, uh, they've they been doing this for a long time, and I talk to them a lot about their college football DFS process and uh, their process for everything and uh, just sort of some old friends catching up. I really enjoyed talking to them. I hope that you guys enjoy the program. Uh, if you want to support this show, you can get bonus episodes on patreon.com slash TakeCast. You can support the show by telling a friend about the program. That's always great. You can leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's go ahead and get into it. All right, guys. Very excited to welcome into the program two of my long-term friends inside of DFS. Uh, two, uh, Actually, honestly, two of my my best friends in in the entire program. Uh, Mr. Sean Newsham. You might know him better as uh, at PSU fans too, and Alex Harden, uh, Mr. Fear My Turtle. Uh, two of my, honestly, my my DFS idols, uh, more Alex than Sean. I have no interest in playing like Sean. Mark. Be Sean, yeah, Sean, uh, I mean, just no interest in, in ownerships, grinding GPPs, none of it. You know, it's just all just cash game, cash game grinding, Sean. That's still, it's still a great way to earn a living in the year of our Lord 2023, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's 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 the more fun and and noble way of doing things, you know. I don't need to go noble, and, so noble. No, yeah, I don't need to go out there and smash a GPP to save my year like Alex. Like I just go out there casually, grind it out. I'm I'm like Kanish from Rounders, you know, just just grinding out the profit. Just, You're like just, the Matt Kuchar of DFS, so yeah. you are. I mean, he's so he's so the Matt Kuchar of DFS. I I think it's hilarious of you to to say that it's noble to just like two v two people for infinity dollars like that's your 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 weight your your life just like requires james ward prowse getting two more crosses than mason mount on any given week like that's, well, I, that's I mean, i'd rather 88 and just that every, my opponents just play terrible plays that, that's the much preferred truly noble truly noble just hoping <laughs> yeah. to beat up on morons well yeah. i mean we had we had a situation during the the world cup where 
literally Alex and I had a 5k. We each were playing the same person. Somehow this dude forfeited against me. He just like literally had three guys in the first game that didn't start. And he ran a normal lineup against Alex. I lost. Alex won because the guys that he played that didn't start forced him onto a goalie that outscored like every other goalie by like 30 points. And like two of his subs came in and got an assist. And I got just annihilated by him forfeiting to me and Alex won. So, I mean, I don't have the best of uh, luck in those situations, but yeah, I mean, I'd much rather just like, if people want to just give me money, I would, I would much rather live that style of life than, uh, than sweating out GPP uh, ownership percentages. Yeah. Especially when Bo Nix is um, coming back on and for another drive in the fourth quarter to wreck you yet again. So yeah. to your credit, like we definitely have jumped more in the GPP street, especially like college football. I mean, Head-to-head lobby is a little dry these days, so you got to kind of learn that side of the game. What is, what is it like trying to score head-to-head action for you guys these days? I mean, what what is getting a – like, how often are you getting I'm, something <laughs> above $500 in a non-NFL sport? I mean, the first two Women's World Cup slates on FanDuel that locked at 3 a.m., I sold a 5K each of those slates. So you just don't know whether you're going to get $300 off or 10K off on any given slate. So you just kind of got to be ready for when it comes up. In terms of college football, it's just kind of all over the place. It depends if if other guys just want to throw around some cash. Sometimes it go a couple of weeks where you don't get many good games at all, but then one slate will pop up and like everybody's going. I, I'm, Sean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, well, for me, I've I've sort of taken a step back from an overall DFS perspective because, I mean, we've been in this industry for like over a decade now, so I try to prioritize my time a bit differently and focus on stuff like college football, preseason NFL that I really enjoy and not play other things as much as like um, things that are just pure grinds. Like I don't play a lot of the interleague soccer slates, any of that. So like I haven't really played soccer because as you know, I've shifted most of my focus in soccer world towards SoRare and play some basketball, some soccer on SoRare at, at higher levels. And that's been a much more enjoyable way for me to to get action effectively comparatively to DFS and those. But I mean, with college football and preseason uh, just around the corner, we're recording this on Monday, the 31st. um, And they just released preseason stuff, which the the opener for the Hall of Fame game, 200K GPP on DraftKings. I'm pretty excited about that. I think I've won that like twice. The only only GPPs I can ever win are preseason NFL GPPs. So that's... That's when I come and bring the the GPP game, Davis. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess because from your perspective, because Sean, you are not you're not a modeling guy to my like for for college football. You are projections and stuff, but like you don't have any interest in like getting in and like grinding a baseball model to any to any degree. I mean, I grind the college football model. I don't I don't care yeah. about NBA, NFL stuff like that. Like at, at this point, for me. I, I can, I can, but it's more so like I've told Alex before, I just sort of can look at stuff and sort of understand where percentages are going to lie, like what's going to be chalk, what's not going to be chalk and sort of make moves based on that. But it's not something where I just am sitting there looking at and be like, man, this guy's going to be 18%. I think I'm going to go underweight at 12 to, uh, to, to go underweight on him. And so I'm not going to sit there and look at that, but a, a lot, I'm very good at sports that are going to take a lot more of the effort because Typically, I'm an out-effort people. I'm that grinder. Again, we talked about like I'm out-effort people. I'm going to find that random bit of news in some random 
message board that can help me for a day and I'll be able to have that as an advantage for the day. I much prefer that over like the, the models, but I mean, I, I can use the models too. Like I use the models frequently in college football. I mean, I finished second, like every week to, to never finish first last year. I'm like, Alex, this guy goes to the live or goes to the online final is like in a different state because he's there for the NFL final. And he's out to dinner with his rep just hammered. He has to fade like every single statistic in the book and just has no idea he's fading and just wins the the championship. So, you know, it's it's difficult life I live compared to Alex. Alex, he borrowed uh borrowed some horseshoes last year and was able to put it to good use. Alex is Alex is the biggest grinder I know. Like I like uh cause I'll ping him. So so to give people the full background, we've all probably known each other like a decade at this point. Something, something like that. Ten years. Be close. Old F. And and we're so we still there's a the the old Fantasy Insiders Slack channel is still active. It's never it's never been shut down, and we all still pop in there every once in a while. And anytime, like I'll be like, Alex, I need to know who the corner kick taker is for Getafe for this interleague slate, and Alex will have that information. He'll set me up with the the P nineties for it or whatever. Alex is, I, I mean. I don't even, I've never even really actually asked you this, but like, what is your process like setting up all the models for all? Cause you have, you have a tennis model. You've got, I mean, you, you've got all this stuff set up. So like setting up a brand new model, what is that? What, how intensive of a process is that? I mean, it's more of something you just build over time and you make it better. Um, you t- take a look back. What, what can you improve? Like, where do I know I'm not being that precise? Like, do I have the right data? So something that just gradually improve over time, like something like tennis is pretty simple. Like you're, you're, you have like serve baselines with like aces and double faults. And obviously you're letting like the lines dictate a lot of the fantasy points. Cause you really need to win games to drive fantasy points. But then maybe you look at the model, like six months later, you're like, I really could improve like the serve baseline stuff. Cause obviously there's a difference between hardcore and, and clay and grass. So you put in some, you gather some additional information, make some tweaks, and now you've kind of accounting for something new. So it's something you just build over time. But I am excited to do less of that grinding um, and more of uh, like, I don't have anything. I'm not planning on doing anything for like college basketball this season. So only thing really on my plate from like a work perspective that I have to do is, is college football coming up. So definitely excited because like a lot of these interleague soccer slates, I mean, some of them are just not worth playing, especially. I, like I've player. retired. I've retired from. Yeah. Uh, well, my rule, my rule is, is if there is a Spanish league game in the interleague <laughs> soccer slates, I just won't play it because they, they don't score any points, they don't cross, they don't shoot, they don't it's do rough. anything, and I'm like, there's just no, there's just no. I'll still play every showdown slate, every like like uh, anything with one k to first or more, I will play a little bit. But uh, let, okay, let's let's zoom out. Let's talk about the college football product. So. Uh, you guys are not with Roto Grinders anymore. You are joining up with uh, with Establish the Run to do a college football product. So, what is in the product? What are you guys responsible for? Yeah, so we're pretty excited about it. Uh, we are moving to Establish the Run. I'm sure as you guys hear this, this will have been announced. Uh, we've been waiting to announce it. I hope so. Uh, we we hope so, and uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty exciting. So in the past with Roto Grinders. We had so many different responsibilities that um, our time was divided between things. So basically during the college football season, I just 
Alex would do some setup work. He would do some overall maintenance. And then I would just grind all week to, to get everything up to date with the baselines, adjust things as we go. Uh, and it was, it was a major process where we each had other things going on. We had soccer related responsibilities, tennis, league of legends, et cetera, so on. Uh, now we're able to reduce that. And we're able to, instead of having me focus primarily on college football with Alex having eight other hats on and not being able to spend as much time on it, we're able to both focus on college football. So we're sort of reducing our um, overall workload in terms of like all the other things that we did. And we're able to both focus on the thing that we are the best at. So I'm pretty excited to be able to go into this with Alex and myself, who I think are two of the best most experienced players in the college football scene in the DFS industry and be able to actually utilize both of us at our full power. Where in the past, it was both of us at um, a good amount of power, but maybe we had other responsibilities as well that would take away some time on stuff. So I'll let Alex talk a little bit about what all we're going to offer with our product and, and what his thoughts are with it as well. Yeah, um, every DraftKings FanDuel slate will have projections for every player. So nothing's really changed there. I am excited. I've done a lot of work with the model over the summer to help our team level interactions out. I mean, that's one of the big challenge points with uh, projecting these like college sports, really. Like, what's the difference between the best team in college and, and uh, FBS versus the worst team, like Alabama versus UConn? Like, there's this like huge gap there. So quantifying and like just how those team level st statistics mesh is a challenge point. And I think I'm finally at a point where I'm pretty comfortable with uh, what we're doing with that. So that's without doing a lot of manual like overrides and stuff. So I'm excited about that. So projections feel good about those. We'll be doing like the top plays articles and the ETR uh, kind of uh, approach where you kind of go over some of the top plays at each position, some uh, position rankings, We'll be doing a weekly show together, um, most likely on Fridays. Um, ownership, all that good stuff. Discord, obviously the most valuable thing, thing if you're playing college football. So it'll be pretty much everything you need to cut down your time investment to make winning lineups in college football. We'll be providing and trying to eliminate all the fluff content. Everything has a purpose and is actionable. So modeling college football, I mean, I think – the first thing is that uh, there's just a shit ton of teams. There's a shit ton of players to be responsible for. Are you setting baselines for all of the, I, I guess it's what all FBS teams are probably going to end up on a slate at some point. So are you setting baselines for these offenses? Are you, are you reading Phil Steele? Like, what is that? Cause that is a, obviously the difference from, 32 NFL teams, you know, whatever, like it's a, it's a gigantic baseline difference. Like, so thinking about how I do NFL projections, like I basically go through the beginning of the season. I'm in the, I'm in the process of doing it right now of being like, okay, I think Rasheed Rice is going to get 14% of the team's targets. And so every week when I go in to start doing my spreadsheet, it's just based off of baselines for a player impacted by the matchup. And then what percentage of the team's targets and rushes and stuff they're going to get what is i mean doing that for the entire slate on saturday max stuff midweek like how are you streamlining that yeah i mean like during the summer i'm building out all the team level stuff for every team and and fcs and then also i mean every team in fbs and then also like the fcs teams that are going to be playing on slates early in the season we'll, we'll look at them as well but really just trying to get a good understanding of the team 
Um, obviously, we have their team level stats from last year, but also I am going through each team in terms of transfers, uh, signees, like returning production, attempting to quantify that and kind of pull it into an over and into like over, overall ratings for each team on offensive defense. Um, and obviously, as they match up, those will get kind of meshed together and you're making some adjustments for tempo. Um, so just getting the team level stuff good um, in, in the summer. And then as the season gets closer, we get depth charts, we get a better understanding. Then we'll focus more on player inputs. But generally speaking, player level inputs, Sean does a lot more of that kind of work where I stay at the team level. But yeah, like going in terms of individual player baselines, like we're looking at recruiting rankings and stuff. We have some based on if you're a four or five star receiver versus a three star, you'll get a different um, baseline as a starting point. And really at the beginning of the season, the most important things are going to be the player level inputs because I mean, the baselines are going to differentiate them a little bit on the player level, but really you're trying to um, attempt to kind of predict their volume. And that's going to be the big driver that results in and good production. So it's a lot of that, just getting all the data to work right um, and be good going into the season and then following the news for little pieces you can pick up to kind of use as inputs for your player level stuff. Yeah, and then on a player level perspective, you're looking on a week to week basis. Obviously, the beginning of the season is more of a uh, guesswork type thing, and you're just trying to get your best guesses out there uh, within reason. Like, obviously, you're using your logic behind it to, to figure that out. Uh, as the season goes, we're utilizing any information we find from injury perspective. Uh, I, we watch games, like, we watch a lot of games on the weekend. Uh, a lot of things that come in from college football that's different than other sports is there's not very clear injury reports. You might not know if a player's injured unless you dig deep and find something. If that guy is out, there could be 10 guys that replace him compared to the NFL where it's like, you know, exactly who's going to come in. But to your, to your point about uh, more players and, and more teams, NFL, 30 teams, 32 teams, you have uh, five, six receivers on a team. You have a couple tight ends, a couple running backs and quarterback. You, you know, who's going to be the players college football. You're talking 120 teams. You're talking uh, one to two quarterbacks on some teams because they rotate some, which you need to know because if they're rotating, you need to be able to factor that in. Uh, you could have five, six running backs get carries. Uh, you could have 10, 12 receivers get carries. If someone goes down, it may be someone completely random who steps up that maybe hasn't played much on the year uh, that steps into the role. You have different situations with red shirts where you have guys that can play up to four games, which sometimes they'll play those four games and then sit out the rest of the season to preserve their year of eligibility. So I'm out there updating every player, what we're expecting in terms of market shares uh, from rushing, receiving, passing, and then in terms of touchdown market shares as well for a given week. So we'll be able to look through each and every player, go through the teams. Typically we'll go through um, together as well to overview and oversee uh, what we think. We'll look through things if we think there's some things that maybe look a little bit off. We might look a little bit deeper into the teams, but uh, a lot of the info is knowledge-based and what you can find with it. We will watch games and we will sort of get an idea of uh, who who the beneficiaries are going to be if a certain player's out. Because sometimes you'll watch a game and a guy will get banged up for a couple plays and you see him go out and you'll see the exact way the offense will probably function with him out if you're not watching the game you're not paying attention you may miss something like that so there's a lot of different stuff that goes in from a modeling standpoint there's a lot of different stuff that goes in from a uh, viewing standpoint and actually understanding of how the teams work and operate so i gotta i have a question for you guys and i've kind of always wanted to ask this to the etr guys but they've never been in a, a channel so establish the run is far and away the most influential driver of ownership in our space right i mean 
you could do you could do a correlation to you know the the ETR top plays and and obviously the impact is made greater the smaller the prize pool are uh, the, the smaller you know the the lower number of people that are in the entry so ETR uh, stuff for preseason NFL huge driver of ownership and I mean that's true that was true with you guys at Rotor Grinders too you know whoever Sean uh, when Sean uh, you know wrote his three sentences a week for the top plays uh, for for preseason NFL DFS how. I mean, that is to me that feels like a big responsibility driving all of that, all of that um, ownership from. So, from like the perspective of the the people generating that content, what is that responsibility like while doing it? Specifically, like the written stuff, like doing the top plays. Like, are you? I mean, are you even thinking about that, or is it just like these are the top plays and people can play whoever the fuck they want? I think I know Sean's answer to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we can answer this almost from our previous experience in that I think college football at RG was the biggest driver of of ownership in that sport. So, I mean, it's one of those things you're just, I mean, to me, I'm just trying to put the the best plays are the best plays. It doesn't mean you should be playing them in 100% of your lineups and all contests. Right. So just, I mean, you put the information out there, you provide your context and, and people have to make their own decisions where and when to play them. So um yeah i'm looking forward to sean's answer on this one no i mean i think we've improved the process going to etr from where we were previously um i typically handle a lot of the player ownership stuff because again we talked about alex's other responsibilities prevented him from really having much of an input but i felt our ownership was okay at rotogrounders i also think college football is a bit more difficult from an ownership perspective again we talked about there's a lot more players a lot more options on teams. You don't typically see guys like in the NFL where it's just like 80, 90% guys owned over and over again. It's just like over and over again, these guys are just the hard chalk. NFL, or college football, some weeks last year, we would see guys like no one was over 25%. I remember there was at least a couple of weeks last week where it was like three people had the most ownership and they were in the 20s. Whereas like NFL, you don't see that. You see guys just piled on in lots of situations. So uh, definitely we were probably the biggest driver, I would say, of ownership in terms of um, the market with Roto-Grinders. I'm hopeful and expecting that we will be one of the biggest drivers uh, with Establish the Run as well. But uh, a lot goes into it. We're, we can't go into the, the details and the finer tooth uh, points of, of how we do it, but uh, there's definitely different ways, different ways to use our models, different ways to use other expectancies of what we're thinking other people are going to use as well and influences. So there's definitely a lot that goes into it. Um, personally, I think that it is going to be improved upon process. That's one of the things we always keep trying to improve upon. Uh, I, I know that we're very good at projections. I know that we're very good at um, the actual ins and outs of NCAA DFS. I think that the one thing that we can obviously continue to improve upon and, and get better at is, is the ownership process. So it's something that we've spent three years, four years on. And similarly to like what Alex talked about with the uh, team baselines and different models, each year we keep improving and improving our process and we want to keep doing that. Um, so I, I'm, I'm happy to know that like this year, I feel like there's an improvement to this process and hopefully it will get better. Then next year, I hope once we learn more how this process went, uh, that it will be able to improve upon it even further. So I'm looking forward to the improvements that we can generate with with the the new help of the established run. Yeah, and Davis, you've played enough college football DFS. You know that like it Saturdays are just like complete chaos. So yeah. like there's, no, there's a lot of times where like if someone's going to be 40%, 
like in large field, like there's probably a pretty good reason to be not playing that person, especially if they're like a cheap receiver that people are just, it's like the consensus value receiver of the week and they're pretty shaky. Like you get a lot of those kind of plays, especially if the pricing on DK is tight. Um, so yeah, it's interesting from that perspective. It's it's, it's just like DFS one on one. Yeah, but it's it's like yeah, uh, Ole Miss. What like uh, it happens a lot with air raid schools, right? Uh, uh, Ole Miss was one of them the last couple of years where it would be like Domtavius Davis. I think I that guy he could be real. I could have just made that up. Uh, would be would be out. A guy would assume to be the flanker receiver, but actually the other guy just moves inside, whatever. You know, there's a billion circumstances like this, but it's like if this one guy projects for 10 points and he's 40% owned and this other guy projects for eight and a half points, but he's 3% owned, the 3% owned guy, you know, you you just you just play that guy more often. Yeah, I mean, if there's consensus among people who are guessing and it's still a complete guess, like you gain so much on the field if you're willing to kind of embrace that that risk. Because, I mean, we don't have all these data points of who plays when. Like, it's a complete guess. Like, there can be something that seems obvious, but a lot of times it does not work out that way. I mean, college football DFS and soccer DFS, uh, and I mean, to some extent, like some, you know, USFL, XFL, all these things like it, it sort of brought like playing these slates reminds me of like when DFS used to be fun. Like I get really very little joy out. Of, actually no joy out of major league baseball DFS. I play it uh, every single day to get the tier credits and the achievements at the end of the year. And same thing, same thing for NBA, but these are, these are not fun sports anymore. Someone like me really cannot be a long-term winner at those sports anymore. So I don't like I play, single entry in these contests and i do like very specific leverage based things playing pretty far off of projected optimal lineups because the guys like brick if if brick and i were both be given 150 lineups for 500 slates of major league baseball he would have such a gigantic theoretical ev over me it would literally not be worth it for me to even do this and there are 50 guys like like brian out there you know more probably and but you know i mean alex you know this like modeling soccer really is sort of an exercise in futility because things are so variant based on opponent and what the coach is feeling that day and it's also an events-based sport right like all all your modeling doesn't matter if spezia's twenty seven hundred dollar cornerback scores a headed goal off a corner kick you know and so sports where it's more about leverage and playing an ownership game are just way more and and honestly an informational game because there's also sean this is why you don't like nfl there's no informational advantage to be had in nfl nba or major league baseball at all really well i mean i don't like nfl just because i just find it pretty boring like i mean you just you look at these guys and it's everyone plays the same guys everyone has lots of different leverage spots that are all similar it's just like a different guy like i I don't like the nfl because it's very clear like who the best plays are going to be how chalky they're going to be and then you just have to play leverage off them don't get me wrong the nfl's fine i just look at it and i'm just like who cares i love preseason you know i love preseason uh preseason happens once it ends i i don't care as much about the nfl regular season it's not that nfl regular season isn't profitable like i've been profitable nfl regular season my my whole dfs career it's just i get basically we talked about last year i get to the point where like by the time saturday night at like 3 a.m hits 
And I've spent like 80 plus hours in the sheets and my brain is completely melted. And I, you're going to, I thought you were going to say you spent $80 at McDonald's. No, no that's, <laughs> that's sometimes, that sometimes goes out. We joke. So McDonald's Davis is my depression food, which typically gets bought every Saturday night at like 8 PM where I just drive in McDonald's and drown my sorrows for the day. Classic that no, like, John would drive and not get it postmated too. No, no, I don't do that. I'm, I'm not I, I, I'm too nitty for that. I can't. Uh, I, I try to like harness in my DoorDash and Grubhub situations. But no, I literally Monday comes. I spend about 12 hours Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in doing stuff, college football related. And then Saturday, I'm typically up at 6 a.m. and I'm on till 2 a.m. So I typically like during the college football season, my week is like 80 hours of straight college football grind. So like Saturday night at like 3 a.m. when I'm done, I'm like just a big pile of mush laying in bed because my brain is just not functioning anymore. And I just am like looking at myself. I think I decided to do this two years ago and I look and I'm just like, man, because I, I play college football as high as you can play. Like So typically during a week, like I'll have 50 to 100K in action down, give or take. And, call, and then NFL comes and I have like, half of that because i don't play nfl as much so like maybe you're talking like a third to a half of that volume and i my edge is obviously way bigger in college football so i i told myself a couple of years ago i'm like i would just much rather focus on college football try to get additional value down on college football and then when saturday comes and i'm just a big blob on the couch i can just be a big blob on the couch and not also have to sit there and grind nfl because it, it, it burns you out right i've definitely learned when we were younger I mean, I would say, so as you just talked about, Alex is the biggest grinder in the DFS world that you know today, right? Easily. Six years ago, six years ago, that was me. I, like, five, six years ago for, like, five yeah. or six years, like, I did not take a day off for five or six years. So, obviously, I'm getting to a different stage in life that you know about and, and Alex knows about, but I'm having a kid soon. So, I've tried to turn some of the effort that I've put into DFS towards family and doing things outside of it, because you just, you got to be able to separate to some extent. And I know I can't not focus on college football because of, of the importance it is to me. And, and I enjoy it. Like I enjoy the college football most of the time. Sometimes I, I just want to roll into a like bed and cry, but uh, most of the time I enjoy the college football, uh, the way that it functions. I don't, I don't actually believe you really enjoy. I, I very, very seldom seen you <laughs> actually like, just like you sweep a whole Saturday run pier on every two V two, you get everything right. You ship it, you win your biggest game. You're, you're totally, you know, you, you're totally free rolling the night slate. You get another good result in the night slate. And then you're going to be mad that the Fresno, and the Hawaii slate two gamer doesn't go your way and you're going to go to bed miserable. I mean, I don't think I've got to that point in the day where I'm not miserable yet. I mean, typically what I, happens, I know this is how the day. So Alex and I have a very different way of, of functioning with things. So when I'm having a miserable day, I just start unregging games because I'm just like, I'm so annoyed. I'm done with it. Alex sits there and just gets plowed. And then he just piles like a million dollars into like, the most degen slate in the history of the sport where it's like everybody's going to have the same you basically have to side between two quarterbacks one of which who's injured and may not play the other of which is a guy that just is terrible and may get benched and you basically have to if you have him. never at 10 30 at night been debating between chivon cordero and Cole oh. mcdonald for yeah. for all the marbles and you haven't had to make that decision you're not a real degen in my opinion you're not 
Cordero's yeah. back too. Cord- we get another year of Cordero at San Jose State, I think. Yeah, Alex, I was gonna Alex. I was gonna say, how much has the uh the NIL and the transfer rules made it actually easier for you guys? Because you you just know this team starting quarterback because he used to be a guy you had to deal with three years ago at some fucking, you know, Mountain West school or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I would just say there's a lot more roster turnover um in college and basketball and football, but it's it's fine. Like it's a new year, a new team anyway. It's just your last year's stuff means less, really. Um, that's kind of a small adjustment we've made is not really relying on like last year's team a lot, uh, last year's data um, exclusively for, for most of these teams. So, but it's nice knowing the players. So like, yeah, new quarterback pops up here. Like, Oh yeah, we have a history with you. We know what to do with you. It's kind of interesting. I mean, like, like I know from my experience that like I, so very, I mean, not to the same degree, Sean, but I used to grind DFS so much harder than I do now it's just like it's it's uh I have a real adult job so I don't need the money from DFS like I mean obviously winning in DFS is nice but it's just not as important to me anymore and I think we all sort of have this feeling but it's like okay I'm registered for this DFS like oh I know that guy's name I remember that guy. I mean it could be like I remember Franchi Cordero you know from being with the Padres five years ago is the same I get the same emotion being like oh, I knew this wide receiver because he transferred from Oklahoma uh, a billion years ago and he plays for Miami now. Like that that, uh, that impulse is, is – and it's the most common in soccer where you're like you register for a random FA Cup slate and you're like, you know uh, – Le- Robbie Brady's on QPR Ro- yes, or something. Robbie Brady's on QPR. Leroy Fair is on, is on Millwall. Like, oh, that guy's, that guy's sick for DFS. I got to play him. Yeah, it's actually funny. We we were in the MLS All-Star game. We went down for the MLS All-Star game two weeks ago in D.C. So this question was proposed, Davis. I'm curious who you're going to say because you fit into this question. Who is the most memorable DFS soccer play from like – and when I say this, I mean like this guy you just like almost always played every single game week no matter what. There's, there's two guys that immediately come to mind. West Ham, Dimitri Payet. And OG Burnley, Kieran Trippier, the first year. So the first year that they added, this goes way back. So the DraftKings soccer game changed scoring three times. But the third time that they changed the scoring, when they changed it, do you guys remember the 11-man rosters? That was like the greatest season of DFS in my life. I can't, I, that was, it was unbelievably good. But uh, they changed scoring to add corner kicks and free kicks, and they, they used to not generate crosses. You would only get shots from them, and it took people, I don't know, six weeks or two months to adjust to that scoring. But I remember all those guys, the the classic defensive midfielder with sets, your, your Robbie Brady's, your, uh, I mean, James Ward-Prowse is, like, still good now. But when they added... I, I like still remember reading the scoring and being like, is this accurate? Like, is this, is this real? This changes everything. Like Andrea Pirlo goes from being completely unplayable in champions league slates to like the stone nuts. Yes. So Alex is, I'll, I'll give you our name so that you can, you can reminisce about too. Alex's uh, name was Robbie Brady, which is this is the, how the king. you said it. The and king. then mine was Swansea Gilfy Sigurdsson. Oh, Swansea Gilfy. Okay. Yeah. He was like, Swansea Gilfy was like James Ward-Prowse before James Ward-Prowse. Yeah, probably even better because he was but more better, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, Jadu, but... he scored, he scored a bunch of goals. He took the penalty. Yeah. Swansea, Swansea Gilfy was amazing. I mean, soccer DFS is my, is still my favorite thing to play because I mean, the projections are not that good, right? Like they, they are only able to capture so like the, the P nineties and stuff. They're only able to capture so much. Well, I mean, it's a terrible, it's a terrible sport for projections in that you're projecting mean outcomes where right. like you, you get someone like Harry Kane, where he's going to score like six points, six points, seven points, 43, seven, 20. Like it's all over. Like, and then people see a projection of like 12 and they're like, well, this doesn't make sense looking at his game log. Um, so, I mean, it's, there's a, just a lot of context with the projections. It's more of like building out lineups that make sense in the context of the slate than like blindly following projections. And it's it's one of the few sports that has the combination of attractive size prize pools, difficult to interpret projections. And the other thing about soccer is you will see insane ownership percentages on guys in every slate. Like it's a very weird thing in NFL for it's it's kind of like NBA actually, where guys are just stone cold locks, you know, like Vinicius Jr. gets mispriced against, uh, you know, FC Sheriff or whatever, and he's 73% owned in the big $20 GPP that pays 50K to first or whatever. But if you just play Rodrigo or Federico Valverde for, you know, similar amounts of salary, but at like 3% owned or whatever... And you can still do that. You can still do that today. That's an edge that still exists. Like you can, and still it's play gotten it. bigger. Like last season, I've never seen more ownership contests. Say like in any sport than like last season, like EPL stuff. Like I don't know if it's just like everyone looking at the same stuff or everyone playing like understands this and, and goes like the same route. But I think if they're if you're looking for a new DFS sport to play and, and like turn tournaments only, not cash games. Don't do that. Yeah, I don't play. Um, I don't play cash games for EPL. EPL or or Champions League is definitely an interesting one to take and, and just have a really contrarian approach because I think you will get rewarded on a lot of slates uh, playing that way. Well, and it's because everyone plays DFS the same way right now. So like you have like the model grinders, but then you have like your average guy who has a couple DFS subscriptions. He knows how to run the optimizer. He knows how to, you know, sort by points per dollar or whatever. He knows to check the news, but it's not, it doesn't go like the third layer deeper than that, where it's like, okay, AC Milan is an underdog here, but 20% of the time they score two goals. And when they, you know, it's like no one, no one is maybe honestly, maybe just because the prize pools aren't big enough that the, the real optimizer bros haven't gotten there yet. Cause I think if, if you did have the, the, machine learning bros you know the the real modeling bros like the step further i i think they would that we'd see a spread right where it would go away from that and you would see people playing these underdogs and stuff like that more often yeah you need to keep your buddy brick away from like soccer and college football and stuff like, I, don't, I don't think i don't think he gets I, out of bed i mean that's dk to first yeah exactly and that's why like they're perfect like sizes for for me and and like that it's such a pain for someone like that to like put together a process to follow, follow like college football and try to replicate what they're doing with NFL. There's a lot of decisions you're going to have to make ahead of time. Not a lot of time to adjust, like good luck running your 10,000 Sims when like 30 seconds before lock, a starting quarterback gets ruled out. Like it, it's just one of those kind of things that makes it a different DFS game than like current state NFL, I would think. Yeah. And some people get scared with college football, right? Because there's just constant news that you have to be alert to and you have to manage stuff. I'll give a good example of one last year that, I told Alex was the most stressful day of my DFS career, but 
basically we heard rumors that Devin A-Chain wasn't going to play for Texas A&M. <laughs> We're literally in three different message boards trying to find stuff out. And then we got, uh, we had a photo of him during pregame warmups and he didn't have ankle tape on. So we were literally looking through photos to see what his ankle tape situation was like every game. We found out that it was, it was all over and he ankle taped differently for games. So we're sitting there, we couldn't figure out the info. And like, he was like by far the best play of the slate by a significant amount. So we're sitting there and I'm like, I have no idea what to do because if he plays, he's the best play by a mile, like one of the best plays of the season. If he doesn't play, obviously you're just screwed and his backups are the best play of, of the season. Like they're fantastic. So we're sitting there watching and like, I think, I think I ended up getting off him and played him in, in GPPs at like a reduced ownership percentage from what I planned. And I think Alex did similar first play of the game, 90 yard touchdown run second carry of the game, 80 yard touchdown run. He had 25 points with like 10 minutes to go in the first quarter. I'm like, Oh, that did not go well, I mean, but it was so you like, couldn't find the info. When we look looked back and talked about that slate, though, I think we came to the conclusion that we made the right decision, and this is something right. you have to live with. Like, and that's something that's a challenge. Like, if you're a, a new person, like you come in to play college football DFS, and like you're presented this scenario: should I play him or not? And you, just because you don't play him and he does well, doesn't mean you made the wrong decision. Right. Um, and it's difficult. It's not a yeah. Didn't didn't feel good though. No, it didn't feel good. And it's difficult. Yeah, because you don't know if your GPP lineup are live till later in the day. But where your cash game lineup, you know you're dead immediately. Um, but it's it's difficult too from a projection standpoint because you don't have clear info. So you can't really just knock half of the projection off of A chain and give it to those backups because it drastically impacts sort of how the slate is going to work. So you sort of have to sit there and make a interpretation of do I think he's going to play? Do I not think he's going to play? So a lot of times what we do the way that we treat it is like we treat people as playing or not playing until we get concrete info that is opposite that, that contradicts what we have, which sometimes you never get, but a lot of the, a lot of the times you don't get in college football. A lot of the time you don't get it, but this is where the, the entire package and why people should come to establish the run to, to do it is we're in the discord constantly monitoring. It. So the actual projection might not change, but we will be in there being like, Hey guys, this is the info. This is what we have. This is sort of how I'm handling it. And then you obviously have to make your own decision because I can't tell you what to do. That's not obviously my decision. Like you needed to decipher what to do. But by being in the Discord, we can help give you a more complete picture of exactly what's going on so that you have as much info as possible to make whatever decision you deem to be correct. So it's a good it's a good sales pitch you could tell he's really you know he's finally starting to become an adult he's look he's at this really guy like having a kid like it's all coming together yeah don't sleep anymore it's it's great you never really i mean you you always stayed up super late i guess I'm I not know. anymore i'm in bed by like 10 or 11 at, at latest most of the time what we said so here so alex you'll get a kick out of this too alex was very offended he doesn't like when i call him a dgen which he is but he totally he doesn't is. like this yeah ask ask alex about uh what he did for the women's world cup when we were in dc for the mls all-star game yeah have you been setting 3 a 3 a.m fucking wake-up calls to grind these slates i mean i did it for the first three days and then i felt like i was gonna die so i stopped but i tried but so we get to dc on friday before the mls all-star game dude is sitting there handwriting all set piece takers and all statistics and then he was absolutely hammered Friday night 
and had set lineups. He almost missed uh, waking up for both both alarms that he had. Almost, but I didn't. But he didn't. I remember I uh, I've I've only done the um, the alarm in the middle of the night to wake up for a slate once, and it was for uh, an A league slate in the middle of the COVID summer when we were just like looking for anything to play on. And I did it once and I was like, you know what? It's just not, it's not worth it. There's, there's not enough out there. I don't have a big enough edge. Like if you'd have, I'd have to have like a pretty large quantifiable edge these days to wake up at three o'clock in the morning to grind a slate. Like I the and the women's world cup timing, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why are these slates both at like, how is it possible that some are at, 8 p.m. and summer at 7 a.m. Like, can't they make this yeah. easier for me as an American? Yeah, I know. This women's world cup is is brutal. But yeah, I, I agree. It, it's tough waking up. Like the other day, my alarm went off at three, and like my wife in the next day was like, Why'd your alarm go off at three? And like the truth is like the most embarrassing answer you can have. <laughs> like, oh women, women, women's world cup. Um, but yeah. yeah. I mean, that women's world cup, though, a great example if someone was looking to be like to have a real edge enough to to be like very theoretically EV in these slates. Like if you really grinded and went and got the information and like, you know, honestly like found, like yeah. watched old games and shit like that, you could have a huge edge because I mean, this, I mean, this is so hyper niche, but like, you know, girls are like playing out of position and stuff. Like Rachel Daly is England's left back, but she's listed as a forward and was the, uh, one of the three leading goal scorers in the NWSL last year. It's like, but like, you wouldn't know that just looking and clicking through games logs. You'd have to like, and to get that information on the fucking Haiti women's national team, like you would have to grind so hard to get that information. Yeah. Like going deep in the depths of like a uh, sofa score and stuff, looking at heat maps for games that were actually covered, which isn't like not very many of them. But yeah, I mean, that's ultimately why I like the these type of games because I feel like my effort can be rewarded. Sometimes it comes back to, to bite you if you sleep through an alarm or something. But I think generally, like you put in the work, you, you build a bigger edge for yourself. And that that's kind of where I like to live in this space. Yeah, I mean, that's that's been my advice to people for a long time in DFS because I get, you know, people come out like, oh, you know, what would you do? How would you allocate? And I'd be like, well, I really wouldn't play NBA or Major League Baseball at all um you know and nfl cash game sure if you can still play below five dollars like that's basically free money um even honestly even up to like ten dollars like you can still get a lot of good action uh in honestly any higher than that though that is a big difference i've noticed the last two years is like i'll post ten dollar games and like three of them will get taken and then it'll be all auto matched dk Kreider. CSU ramp it's like it's like literally there's no fucking point like you know and and for me like because I'm not really trying to like make twenty thousand dollars a year playing DFS it's like what's what's the point like I'll I'll pick the nickels up off the street but I'm not grinding any harder than that do you still get like can you still post and get games taken at high levels from people that just don't like you that maybe are not the best players Mm. No, I mean, I like I don't even post 109s anymore because they're like maybe like maybe like three years ago or four years ago, I still would have done that. But I just don't even I mean, I don't even keep that much money on DraftKings anymore to be able to post like two thousand dollars of games. Like it's just not, you know, like I I mostly play DFS for fun now. And like I, I still, you know, play tournaments and stuff because I would like to win. But I I mean, 
I'm mostly now I'm just trying to win tournaments to make more money like that that it's you know like winning winning a gpp means that i get to like do whatever i want with money for a month you know it's like that's to me that's like totally found money like if i like two years ago i finished third in the 50 dollar on DraftKings and won like 1500 or fifteen thousand, and i it just so happened that i was buying a house that same time so i just pulled out ten thousand dollars and just put that extra for down payment for my house like that's like what i'm when i'm winning on DraftKings now it's just like shit like that like i'll get my fucking basement redone or something yeah well, that's why i said i kind of I, i'm in a fortunate position where i've been successful over the last decade that i can take my foot off the gas a little bit now I'll probably have a, a kid and then realize i just i'm screwed. yeah you're gonna be like you're gonna be like i'm so poor dude i don't have money yeah. to do anything and i'm just gonna be sitting there you're gonna see me like playing every single slate on the on the platform again because i have no choice but yeah that, that's how the way i've looked at it is i've been fortunate over the last decade that i've been successful and and now can sort of take a step back and focus on the sports i really truly enjoy instead of focusing on like needing to grind out x amount of money on stuff i have no interest doing so luckily in that situation, hopefully remain in that situation and don't have to, to start grinding every slate again. Sean very famously once told us that he needed something like $5 million to like retire for good and just not work anymore. Like this yeah, dude is, what the fuck dude? There's I got some no work chance. to do then if yeah. that's the number. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think, I think, all right, what's your number that you would retire at today and call it a day Davis? way more than five million to never yeah. work again in my life because you're, you're you're just opting out of so many of the things that life can can give you you know like you're like you're really limiting travel you know like i mean because that's why you'd want to retire right you'd want to retire to be able to fuck off and you can't fuck off if your earning potential is is capped I can't I can't wait till Andrew Wiggins hears this because Davis how many times have you left the United States? Once, because I'm fucking working. I got I got to work my goddamn job, Sean, so that I can travel when I'm 65 and my body doesn't work anymore. Yeah, so you're gonna wait till you're dead and then travel. That sounds like a great plan. But yeah, no, I mean, I I don't think you need 10, 20, 30 million dollars to like travel. Obviously, uh, you can't travel at like a luxurious, super rich lifestyle. But if you if you have like two million dollars, you can definitely retire if you want to and live a normal upper middle class life and not work. i'll get your answer after you have a kid or two so yeah put yeah. that on the back on hold for a bit That's you fair. don't you don't have enough bitcoin to retire on five million dollars sean you gotta you gotta you gotta work harder you gotta, you gotta keep going i mean I, I have enough that i can take a step back let's put it that way i could take a step back and not play <laughs> i would say five years ago i was playing what 25 slates a day yeah, I was playing I mean, literally anything I could. You're playing fucking NHL. I mean, anything. how 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 glad are you to not have to know anything about NHL DFS anymore? It's it's, I, it's it's actually nice. Actually, it's a little sad though. I said I used to before DFS started. Hockey was my favorite sport. Loved it. After playing DFS for it for years, working at Roto Grinders, doing it, working at Fantasy Labs, doing it, hated it. Couldn't stand it anymore because I would just sit there and I would have grind all day updating lines doing projections updates and stuff and i was just like i cannot stand nhl anymore so i actually said it's a little sad because it used to be my favorite thing to, to do and then i just became like i hated it so much because uh someone i I've, I've heard recently it's very true 
you're doing something that you you enjoy and you really like, which I think we would all agree that DFS is something we all really like and enjoy. But when you first start playing it, right, you play it because you love it, you enjoy it. But when it becomes your job and it becomes your everyday thing, it, it warps your mind a bit and you're, you, you sort of shift yeah, I like I like sports way less now because it's been my job to talk about sports every day for a decade. Correct. Like, I mean, back when you were probably like a decade ago, like it would be a Tuesday night and there would be an NBA game on and you might watch it. Whereas now you're like, well, I don't have money on this. I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, no chance. No and, and so chance. It's, it's a just a, it's a warped mindset that is uh, that is on us, I think, because of where we've been in the industry. So I'm, I'm hoping by taking a bit of a step back, I can sort of recharge some of my love for overall sports because like i i used to love the nfl don't love it anymore i used to love hockey don't love it anymore i do love soccer still soccer is like the one thing i really love and i love college football like i really still enjoy those um and i will watch like soccer games if i don't have money on them uh same or, soccer or... because i don't have to do it for my job remains exactly. like it's it's my favorite for sure so but it, it's just it's an it's an interesting uh situation but so college football is the one that I still work on day to day. And I love it. Like I told Alex, like I've been, I've been chomping ready to go for this college football season for like two months, which is actually funny because last year going to the college football season, I was like, man, I haven't felt excited yet. And like, normally I feel excited. Let's say that in the spring, uh, last year, it was like middle of August. I was like, all right, I'm ready. Whereas like this year, like February and I'm like, all right, let's go college football season, baby. So let's talk, let's talk a little bit about so rare before we, before we get out of here. I mean, how much has so rare supplemented the, the, the D gen itch um, for, for soccer and stuff? Cause like it is, it is, it is the, it's not perfect obviously, but it is sort of the best answer to how do you treat sports players like investments, right? Like a stock market where when they do, they do better you they they appreciate they earn i guess they kind of earn dividends by being entered in the contest i mean it i mean compared to the other fucking sports nfts that have launched i mean the fact that so rare still has liquidity and that people are still interested in it after how how bad the nft bear market went is like pretty amazing yeah, I mean, I think it's a testament to like, it's really a fantasy first thing and not really an NFT investment at all. Um, they're moving, I think they're launching, Sean can speak to more of the details, but they're bring, uh, launching like the cash wallet to further move themselves away from like the crypto aspect this week. So that's going to be interesting. But for me, I play more for fun. It doesn't really replace DFS. To me, it's just, it's different. I've only put mon uh, amount of money on that I'm comfortable losing in the long run. So I've never taken anything off the site. So I'm just trying to build up my gallery because I think it's fun. The gameplay is fun. It, it's interesting following all these leagues. Like I love the Belgian soccer league now because of it. Um, so I think those things are, are pretty awesome. And it's interesting having like the market element of it, of the cards and their values, um, mostly going down over time, but sometimes go up. Um, but to me, it's just, it's very interesting and fun. So for me, it's more of a fun thing. Sean has a much bigger presence and gallery on that so i'll let him talk a little bit more about it yeah question alex were you sitting there watching the scores for the spartak moscow game during this this show yeah. quincy probes got me 100 so i saw good. that yeah so anyways I yeah he, like, i thought he got stabbed oh, oh. you stay you the, the key is you stay in russia and it doesn't matter what you get charged with anywhere else because you yeah. just stay in russia 
he's he was stabbed. He's also charged with like attempted murder. He's also charged with like drug de- like massive amounts of drugs being like distributed. But but he just stays in Russia now, so he just can't leave Russia ever again. He they he's charged with it in the Netherlands, and basically like the charges were getting uh, like put on to him recently and he's like yeah i don't know if i'm gonna go back to the netherlands it's like oh really you're not gonna go back to the netherlands gotcha so yeah anyways it's it's interesting like alex said uh belgian league i watch the belgian league like every weekend nonstop. i i i will have entertainment 24 7 also i viewed sower as like an early retirement opportunity whereas if it really took off which obviously it it's stalled out compared to where it was uh not stalled out but like it has it's way more healthy than every other option. And because of that, like my, my gallery, my investment is still in a really good shape, but it was looking like at one point in a year or two, I could potentially sell it for like two, $3 million and and hit that retirement number that I would have Davis. So, uh, but I love it. I think it's, for me, it's way more of a entertainment play as well. Like on a given week when every league is playing in the world, I literally can have soccer games on my computer from like 8 a.m. when I get up to like 10 p.m. So I can sit here and do work all day and have a monitor to with a soccer game on, which is awesome. Like it just is constant entertainment for me where I always have something to sort of watch and be interested in. So um, it's really enjoyable to me also because you're not sitting there like in DFS soccer, if I'm playing 10K and I have a bad day, I lose 10K and boom, I'm done. Whereas sober, you just keep your cards every week and you get to, to play them again in, in future weeks. And yes, you may have injuries or yes, you may have transfers that may impact your cards. But like like this weekend, this game week, I don't think my, my week was very good. So I just am not going to get that much of a return on it. But just fire back up next week. It just I can sit there and look at it and invest X amount of money and run that X amount of money over and over and over again for years. Whereas... DFS, if you play 10K in one day and you lose that 10K, that 10K is gone. It's, you're not like, you can't just run that 10K again tomorrow and, and see how it goes. Like that 10K is, is gone. At least so, in DFS, my lineups are not going to sign in Saudi, but that's another yeah. conversation. Yeah. A lot do you of my think, players. Do you, think they'll, do you think they'll add the Saudi? I mean, they they got to try to add the not, Saudi league, right? They, they came out and said they're not going to do it this year. They need to see how it goes. I think they basically, they won. They need to see if they can license the league, which um, they may be able to, they may not be able to, we don't know. They also need to see if it ruins the game. So for example, I don't know, do you remember Oscar from back in the day at Chelsea? Yeah. He's in China China and he doesn't have cards on so rare, but he just like averages like a hundred points a game. week. He just absolutely kills everyone. So they want to test to see if the Saudi Arabian league will, create guys that will just rip off game breaking scores but like nobody else can match all year and if they do i don't think they would they well would they will because the play in the saudi league is like league two level you're you're adding saudi amanated like killing them basically like it's not it's not fair and the the one ronaldo's team al nasser has like a bunch of like champions league level players now so uh, my guess would be it will there's four teams. Actually, if you're not familiar with the Davis, you'll get a kick out of it. So the Saudi league has like, I don't know, 16 or 18 teams. Four of them are owned by the government. Those yeah. are the four teams buying Ronaldo and Benzema and all those guys. Imagine being, imagine being on the newly promoted Saudi Arabian team and oh. you line up, you line up for your first game. You're, you're, you're a, you're a center back and your, it's... your job is to defend against Cristiano Ronaldo 
Sadio Mane and like I don't who's the other Vitinha or something like that. Like they got yeah. they have some other Ruben Neves is on that team. It's a joke. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I don't I don't love to see it. In fact, I in fact I hate to see it. I I, I really I don't want like the idea that the MLS needs to be the retirement league. Like now if Zlatan retired again, he wouldn't go to the MLS. He would go to Saudi Arabia and go make $300 million and then peace out. And that is lame because seeing Zlatan play was uh, in person. Like imagine like seeing like people seeing Messi now, like Sean, are you going to go see Messi? If I could, if it would work out, I would. I don't think that there's going to be a. If if he moved in the in the spring, I would have tried to go see him in a game, but with him just coming now and this time of year getting to be very busy for me, I think it'll be more difficult for me to uh, to make it happen. But like with him here next year is a good shot. I, I try to go see him in the spring because I've actually never seen him in person. Yeah. So I, I I would like to see him in person before he retires. So. If I have an opportunity to go see him next year, I think I'll try to do that. I assume you'd actually probably do that too. For sure. Like, yeah. I but mean, you, it's, you, it's a lot easier for you with where you live. Like if, if he plays in St. Louis or KC. Well, you can what's, go see what's sick is Inter-Miami played here the week before. So had they decided to introduce him the week before on the road, uh-huh. I, I would have, I would have been able to go, but they, I think, I mean, they, probably were always going to want to do it at home, but there was, there would have been a chance that I could have just driven 10 minutes away from my house and been able uh, to go see him. All does right. K- does Casey have grass field? Yes. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. I think, the I, think I think, I think St. Louis is turf though. I no. can't remember. Yeah. I there we go. Maybe not. I, I, the ones I know for sure that are turf are Atlanta, Charlotte, and new england those are the three i know that are turf. is is montreal still turf because remember didier drogba like wouldn't play home games i'm not sure i feel like their grass i i can look it up i i think i, mean, I saw it before I, but i know those three are turf i think i saw that like teams would like put like a grass field over their turf just to get a messy playing in the game type thing so we'll see i mean it would i'm sure cost benefit wise that would uh that would work out for them all right guys let's uh let's get out of here tell people where to go buy the package, what they get from it again, and then we can uh, we can roll out of here. Yeah, establish the run.com, college football. You get projections for every slate, DraftKings FanDuel, uh, top players article, weekly show. We'll be in that Discord all week long. Um, we'll also do some player prop stuff for underdog and prize picks within Discord. It's not a, like a standalone part of the of the the product, but yeah, we'll be in discord discussing those as well. I know a lot of people like those games. So yeah, everything you need to kind of cut down the time investment to make winning college football lineups. Well, we'll we'll be there providing it. There we go. All right, everyone, make sure that you are, are checking it out, get in those niche sport streets, and uh, we will be back next week. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, 
Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor.